Hi everyone, and welcome to the next of our series of podcasts focusing on international employment law. I'm Ailey Murray, Senior Counsel in the Employment Team at Travis Smith, and this month I'm joined by Sean Keel, a partner in the team. And you may remember that in these podcasts, we're speaking to friends from law firms in a variety of jurisdictions and asking them about the key employment law issues and things to think about when employing staff in their country. And for each jurisdiction, we're doing three short podcasts, one covering the start of employment, the second covering the end of employment, and the final one covering other key aspects of employment law for their jurisdiction. And today we're speaking to Maria de Lancaster Valente from SRS Legal in Portugal. SRS Legal is a full-service multi-practice leading Portuguese law firm and their employment team are tier one ranked by Legal 500. So welcome Maria. Welcome, thank you. And in this first podcast, as usual, we'll start by looking at the start of employment and I'll hand over to Sean to kick us off with the questions. Thanks, Hayley. Hello, everyone. Um, just to start, Maria, uh, can you give us a brief overview of how employment relationships are structured from a legal perspective in Portugal? Absolutely. Um, and I think it's an interesting question because I think it helps um, explain why we operate the way we do. Um, and so basically the, the, the main idea um, that, that, that is, I think, interesting to get across is that we are a civil law-based country, so we have a labour code. The labour code regulates the life of the employment relationship cycle from the pre-contractual um, moment until the um, end of the employment uh, contract, and it also covers other issues like um, collective um, bargaining and collective representation. Um, so our main source of law um, and it is a labour code, a code, um, and obviously we then enjoy uh, a principle of contractual freedom, which means um, basically that um, within the boundaries of the law and where they exist within the boundaries of collective labour instruments that sit above the law, they typically contain provisions that are more um, favorable uh, than what is foreseen um, in, in the labor code. You then, so you have the collective bargaining agreements, you have the labor code, and then you have the employment contracts. So whenever a term and condition is not regulated uh, by the labor code uh, or by a collective bargaining agreement, and if it is where it is um, uh, silent, the parties are free to contract um, um, in the terms that they uh, that they so wish. This is important to understand why certain things work in a certain way and why the freedom to maneuver um, and to navigate uh, employment relationships works in a certain way and why things some things do not necessarily have to be negotiated in an employment contract for them to occur um, or for certain terms and conditions to prevail. Um, so typically, um, we, we sometimes face questions uh, related to why certain terms and conditions are not established in the contract and what the consequences are if they're not. And this is basically the answer because you have a labor code, you have the law or a collective uh, bargaining agreement or a labor instrument that already um, explains or regulates certain terms and conditions. And the fact that they're not um, in, the, in the contract does not mean that they do not exist and that certain rights and obligations do not um, exist either. So I think that's the main um, 
uh, sort of the, the framework that that um, is um, is important to 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 underline. That's really helpful, and obviously that's that's quite different from from how we operate in the UK. Um, and so often at the start of employment, we see employers want to carry out background checks or employee screening. Is that something that's permitted or usual practice, practice in Portugal? It's, um, it's permitted to a certain extent. Um, so the way that, um, um, and certainly within a multinational um, environment, um, um, it is usual practice for um, companies to um, carry out background checks. I think the main point um, is that um, in, in, in Portugal and in many other EU um, countries, there's a principle of privacy um, um, that supports um, the employment relationship as well. So it's it's um, broader, but the employment um, the and the labour code in, in particular also um, clearly states that uh, an employee is entitled to his or her right of privacy. So I would say that the, the background checks are, certain background checks are possible, um, but that they, are, they will be possible if they do not conflict with that right of privacy. Um, and they will necessarily have to be um, so the, the intrusion into that right to privacy will have to be adequate and, and proportional. So, for instance, um, under, under Portuguese law, um, employers cannot ask um, employees for certain information relating to their uh, personal background or to their uh, religion or to their uh, ethnicity or to their um, uh, to other um, elements that, that are or that constitute the employees, what we call the employees' pers personality, the elements of, 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 a, of, a, of an individual's personality. Um, what, what, what an employer can do um, is ask, have, for instance, uh, uh, an employee sit a medical exam through occupational health um, and safety providers that will then tell the employer that the person is fit to work and that's the only thing that the employer will will receive so the employer will not have access to medical records will not have access to financial accounts um, typically the the information that is requested must have a reason in some cases it will be possible depending on the role the employee performs but the main message is that background checks have to be approached with caution and there are things that you can can and cannot do and things that you can and cannot ask um, an employee that makes sense that's really helpful um and so one of the things we often see is um concerns about recruiting from a competitor so does does that give any rise to any issues in portugal um so uh, taking taking a step back so so in portugal we do have the concept of post termination restrictions and and non compete um um again the way the law construes this is that um an employee has a freedom to access um employment and cannot be restricted and the exception being termination post termination restrictions that then have to follow um specific criteria to 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 uh, to be lawful uh, i think in the first instance the issue will relate 
directly to the employee. So if, if the employee is breaching a um, a, a, um, a non-compete uh, or a particular post-termination restriction, um, then obviously the employee will face may face issues um, from his or her past employer. It is not very common um, in my experience um, to see to have employers past and, and, and new employers disputing um, um, because of a recruitment, what I would say is that ultimately, yes, it can, can give rise to a case of unlawful competition. But I, I think in the first instance, the, the issue will be more related to the outcome for the actual employee. What, what sometimes and what we do see in employment contracts and, and particularly in sectors where information and, and proprietary information uh, or depending on the sector, um, you know, the aspect, all aspects related to competition are more sensitive is um, for, for contracts to, 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 to contain a guarantee, something in the contract that's stated by the employer and the employee saying that he is not under, he or she is not under a um, a post-termination restriction at the time of, of his or her hire. So I think um, provided that the, um, the employer, um, when the employer is hiring, um, you know, flags that out to, to the candidate and the employee and then has that wording in the contract, um, that, that, that should be sufficient. Thanks, Maria. And um, finally, uh, let's assume you've um, found your chosen candidate. Um, what does uh, a business need to think about in relation to documenting the terms it's reached? And I imagine that the answer to your very first question is, mm -hmm. is relevant to this. Yes, absolutely. I, I was, exactly. Um, so I think I think um, um, uh, what, what what a company needs to think about, an employee needs to think about, is first of all. Um, how are they going to hire uh, the individual in question um, and how how the employer wants the main terms and conditions to be um, um, to be governed based on their context, based on their specific organizational con context, because employment law in Portugal is regulated, um, I think. Obviously, you can't expect um, 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 companies and HR professionals and even, you know, in-house in uh, or internal legal counsel to know the answers to everything, especially in, in a sort of an international context. But, but I would say that the most relevant um, point here is to, to, to know how to ask the right questions or to identify potential issues that may that may pose a, 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 a or that may warrant um, asking if the question it has if, if an issue has relevance from a legal perspective. So what I would say is first of all, hiring uh, and by and by using the 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 right um, employment um, contract type is very relevant, and and this is because we have a regulated termination um, regime. So you want to make sure and it's. It's paradoxical to, 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 to talk about termination when you're talking, when you're hiring, but if you want to make sure um, that the employment relationship uh, runs smoothly across its life cycle, you will want to invest in hiring properly so that if and when necessary, uh, you can also terminate um, effectively. So the first thing I'd say is terminating, is hiring um, um, effectively, choosing the right type of employment contract, choosing the right 
um, working time um, arrangement. Um, thinking about the role um, that you're hiring um, for and making sure that bearing in mind that role, bearing in mind what your operational and business needs are, um, that you use um, labor law um, um, in your favor so that company can, can, can use uh, the maximum, take as much flexibility as it can out of, out of the regimes that are provided for by law. So thinking about remuneration um, and, and the, and the um, impact that may have, thinking about the uh, working time regimes, thinking about the employment contract types. These are all issues thinking about workplace and what type of arrangement uh, an employer wants to have in place. These are all core terms and conditions um, that will structure and, 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 and influence the way an employment uh, contract will, uh, will evolve. Perfect. Thank you, Maria. That was really interesting. Um, and that concludes our first in these three podcasts. And so please do join us in the next podcasts where we'll be covering the end of employment. <laughs>